Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 251, Kamaru Uzman versus Jorge Masvidal. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in Fight Island, Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi. The BMF, Jorge Masvidal, is attempting to unify the belts against the undisputed champion, Kamaru Uzman. Yeah, this is... This is a great this is a great matchup. I guess uh the fans got what we all wanted for. I know they had initially went with uh, fantastic in his fight against Tyron Woodley, but I think this is the fight that the fans uh always wanted. Street Judas, Street Jesus, uh Jorge Masvidal, you know, hashtag super necessary. And uh I'm glad he's finally getting his title shot after all these years in the sport, one of the pioneers of this sport, in my opinion, for the 155, uh, 170 divisions. And uh, and Kamaru Usman, man, this guy, his last fight was incredible against Covington. He dug down really deep, and he's just been super dominant throughout his UFC career, barely lost any rounds. So, you know, uh, I'm super excited for these this fight. Both these guys got a, a big beef dating back to that uh, to that Super Bowl uh, weekend where, uh, you know, Kamaru was uh, recorded saying, do something, do something, you know. And, uh, and, you know, George is going to get his opportunity to do something on Saturday, man. So uh, I'm super excited. Man, and this is such a great fight for a lot of reasons. Obviously, seeing a guy like Jorge Masvidal finally get his title shot is, you know, special in itself. But I heard an interview with Dustin Poirier, and Dustin said that Jorge Masvidal has been in camp this entire time. He was Dustin Poirier's main training partner for his fight versus Dan Hooker, and he was actually bringing in wrestlers this whole time, you know. So... Jorge Masvidal, I expect him to be in shape. This is not a guy coming off the couch. And uh, not only that, Shaq, if he goes out there and beats Kamaru Usman on a week short notice, that would literally be one of the most epic uh, title upsets since, I guess, uh, Bisbing versus Rockhold. It kind of has that feel to it in a way, Shaq. Yeah, you know, like you said, Poye said that uh, Masvidal and him did about, like, five weeks of sparring just together so much. Masvidal's uh, training. So like you said, it's not your typical, uh, you know, week short notice off the couch. Uh, you know, Masvidal's in, in somewhat good shape. So I mean, I'm super excited. And like you said, if he was able to win this man, just the, the meteoric rise he would have been on in the last two years. I mean, I remember after he lost to Wonderboy, a lot of people thought he was... Uh, you know, probably going to go down from there and just fade out. But, man, he took that little break. And uh, ever since that till fight, man, he's been out here baptizing these fools, man. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, I got I got, I got, got a somewhat root for my boy, George. Man, it's going to be epic. So we're going to break down this car start to finish. But before we do, got to let him know that it is max bet season for me at bestfightpicks.com. So go to bestfightpicks.com. Go to maxbetseason.com and get our plays for this weekend's event. And Shaq, let's get right down to business, man, because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Martin Day, he's 9-3, and three, and Davey Grant is 9-4. and four. Currently, they got Martin Day, minus 170. The comeback on Davey Grant is plus 150. Well, Shaq, you got uh, England versus Hawaii. And, and it's an interesting matchup because, look, Martin Day came into the UFC with a lot of hype. They said he's this dynamic striker. And I see exactly what they're talking about, man. That fight against uh, Ping Wan Lu, I thought he had a pretty good account of himself. And I didn't even remember that fight being controversial. But when I watched it, I was kind of like, man, Day low-key kind of won that fight. But I get it. You know, it was in China. But he showed some good promise. He showed some things he can build off of. And... I heard an interview with him. He said that the last two years he's been working, you know, exclusively on his strength and conditioning, which I think is a great move because I was thinking maybe he's kind of small. Maybe the gas tank needs to be a little bit better. But 
this guy coming out here with, you know, some serious improvements in that department, I think that's only going to aid him, you know, a long way. And if you compare his contender series fight to his UFC debut, it's night and day, especially uh, in the takedown defense realm. The balance he showed against Ping Wan Lu was very, very serious. And uh, it seems like he's really been putting in work. And with Davy Grant, you know, he's kind of known for his boxing for MMA, but, you know, he, he will mix in takedowns from time to time. The submission defense isn't the best. He, he's kind of getting up there. You know, that last fight with Popov was kind of 50-50. So I feel like the upside has to go to Martin Day here. It's just about has he, you know, patched up all the holes in his game to where Davy Grant can't come out here and, you know, mix in takedowns and kind of weasel the decision. But I don't see that happening, man. I think Martin Day is going to be too dynamic for him, too fast for him, too athletic. And I think Martin Day is going to beat up Davy Grant, Shaq. Into uh, Davy Grant. Seems like a tough guy, uh, but, uh, you know, he kind of took a lot of time off uh, a couple years back. I know he's got that win over Vera, beat him up, you know, pretty good back in the day. But since then, it's just been kind of hit or miss. Uh, you know, that Stasiak fight, he was kind of dominating and then, you know, gets armbarred. Uh, and his fight with Popoff, Popoff is not UFC caliber, in my opinion. You know, an old Thai guy that's just slow and, you know, uh, Grant was able to to edge it out. You know, I think Grant's days are numbered in, in the in the UFC uh, a very tough guy. I think there's a good spot for Day to come out here, style on him. And Day, you know, I like that he took this time off to build the strength and conditioning because he got out muscled against Pingwan. Pingwan was pushing him back at will, and he he needs to stand his ground a little better. You know, he is a former uh, a former flyweight, so he needs to get uh, adjusted uh, to this new weight class a little bit. And I think Davy Grant's the right guy. Davy Grant's his chin's a little shaky. I think his heart's a little shaky. I think things need to be very smooth for Davy Grant, or he needs to be in there with a, a pop-off caliber type of fighter to to have success in the UFC in two, in 2020. Anyone you know dynamic with the Hawaiian spirit, I, I don't I don't see him doing too well again. So I think Martin Day is going to come out here, land some spins to the body, maybe a spin upstairs, you know, uh, and, and do his thing here, man. Like you said, the Penguin blue fight if that fight's in vegas let's just be honest they probably they probably wins it you know um but hey it's in china you can't be he, i think he fucked up really bad in that last round uh against pinguan so i think that's probably why they uh went with pinguan in that decision but i got day here i think he's the more uh dynamic fighter got more of an arsenal of attacks and and davy grant i i just see a guy you know, I would say he's on his way out, but he is coming off a win. But I, I just don't see him, uh, you know, I just don't see him. I don't want to say he's not tough because he is a tough guy. But I just think that uh, his heart's in question and his chin's in question. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Carl Hosa. She's 12 and 3. And Vanessa Mello is 10 and 7. Currently, they got... Carl Hosa, minus 240. The comeback on Vanessa Mello is plus 200. Well, Shaq, uh, this is an interesting fight because last time I saw Vanessa Mello fight, I said if she's ever given another opportunity in the UFC, she will be faded. But now they put her in there with Carl Hosa, and it's interesting because Carl Hosa went out there and had some serious output in her UFC debut, man. I mean, she went out there, and according to the numbers, I don't know if they're true, but according to the numbers, she landed like 176 significant strikes. She scored 125 DraftKings points, so she went out there and did her thing, and, and if that's the case here, she should come out here and win. It's just, do you think this is going to be like one of those you know, back-and-forth split decision type fights, or should we stick to what we originally said, that if Melo gets another shot, uh, she ain't exactly going to come out there and win 
Yeah, you know, um, Rosa, I, I think she had a good showing against uh, the chick she fought. I forget her Procopio. name. Uh, Procopio. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'll just be honest, I'm not too high on Rosa. Like, I, you know, and I think Melo, you know, she had a tough two first, uh, you know, T- uh, two tough fights, you know, out the gate, you know, Irene Aldana, who's, you know, fighting in a, a number one contender match here very soon. And then uh, Cortez, who I think is, you know, probably, you know, uh, you know, a future ranked, a uh, future ranked fighter as well. And Carol Rosa, I think, you know, like you said, she had some good boxing, but there was also some openings on the, on the defensive side as well. I mean, you know, she left her chin up in the air, but she was able to get away with it against the much smaller girl and uh, Pro, Pro, Procopio. Um, Melo is just average, basic Muay Thai fighter. You know, I, I definitely favor Rosa. Um, it's just, you know, to lay that much on a girl who I think, you know, her debut fight was also against, you know, uh, you know, bottom, not bottom of the barrel, but just, you know, you know, these girls just aren't very good and not very good in my opinion. You know, I, I, I lean Rosa just cause I think Melo is slow, uh, a, a lot more plotty, um, not as loose. Um, but I do think from a Melo side of things that this is a easier fight than the first two, you know, I think, uh, the first two, you know, she's just going to be at a disadvantage in those fights, uh, regardless. So I'm going to go with Rosa by, you know, a tough decision. I, you know, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Melo won around, uh, you know, you know, she's got some decent striking. She was touching up Cortez early on in that fight up until Cortez uh, started using her wrestling skills. So we'll, we'll see what the case is. But Rosa, man, she comes from a good camp with Andrade and, and uh, Priscilla and them. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to take her for the win here. Look, in this matchup, I simply think it's a case where Carl Hosa has way too much output for Vanessa Mello, man. And I do agree with you that she does get hit a little bit too much for my liking and doesn't move her head. But, you know, that camp over there with Andrade, they, they all do the same thing, man. You know, Priscilla Cachoeira, all those fighters, they can give it, but they can take it too, you know. And uh, that's one thing that Carl Hosa needs to work on. She's got to move her head a little bit. But th- that's about the extent of it. You know, in, in her losses in the regional scene, like the uh, – I forgot who it was, uh, the chick that submitted her in the first round. Let, let me check real quick. Um, was it Deanna Belbita who who did that? Um, no, Melissa Gatto, excuse me. In her fight with Melissa Gatto, basically what happened, she dominated Melissa Gatto. She was bullying Melissa Gatto, and one mistake, and she got caught with a sub. And it was almost a similar thing. In her other uh, submission loss, it was kind of more of a back and forth fight, but she had like a completely different approach in those fights than she does, you know, than she did in her UFC debut. You know, her UFC debut was 15 straight minutes of standing and banging. And in those regional fights, she was actually actively shooting for takedowns. And while those people were able to capitalize on openings, I'm not entirely sure that Vanessa Mello is. So what I'm trying to say is that I think Carl Hosa has more paths to victory. I think she can outstrike her. I think she can take her down. So I'm going with the favorite, uh, Carl Hosa, here to get this done. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Howlian Paiva. He's 19-3. and And Zalgas Zumagulov is 13-3. and Currently, they got Howlian Paiva, minus 175, the comeback on Zalgas Zumagulov is plus 155. Well, Shaka, I think you all know that I'm very high on Howley and Paiva. He's one of my favorite uh, flyweight prospects. The guy's 
very, very tall for the weight class. He goes forward the entire time. He's an all-violence, all-action kind of fighter. You know, the one, I guess, kind of criticism you'd give him, and, and, and it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, would be the fact that he doesn't really move his head. So, you know, he does take some clean ones. But on the flip side, he's got an amazing chin. So for right now, he can take those shots. You know, down the line, we're going to want to work on that defense a little bit because someone will expose that down the line. But right now, I, I feel like, you know, he's only 24 years old. He's just a kid. He can still take the shots, and he's a terminator, man. You start to slow down on a guy like Howley and Paiva, and he will tee off on you. And this kid, uh, Zuma Gulov, so here's the scoop with him. So you look at his resume, and, you know, he beat Ali Bagautinov. He beat Tyson Nam. Yo, so yo, let me – yo, uh, real quick about this uh, Zalgas guy. Is it me, or did this motherfucker lose like half of those fights? <laughs> it, it's not just you, bro. Uh, we're about to we're about to get into that. Uh, like when you talk about a guy that can be bullied and that can be pushed back the entire fight, and a guy that if they had an atom weight, I mean a straw weight division, he might compete there. The guy is tiny for 125 pounds, and every single fight I watch of him. He's being pushed back the entire time. He can easily be bullied. And against a guy like Paiva, who's one of the larger men in that weight class, I just don't see this being a good stylistic matchup for him. You know, what Zuma Gulov does is he's got a very watered-down version of the Russian style. You know, he tries to do the Russian coast and this and that. And, and I think he might win some UFC fights. Look, if they match him up with Tim Elliott, if they match him up with Brandon Royval, who knows? I mean, look, Tim Elliott, I got him over Tim Elliott. Royval might be a close fight. But here against Paiva, man, I completely disagree with the opener lining it a pick him. And even right here, I still think Paiva could be a bigger favorite. So I think that UFC experience, that length, that tenacity, like I, I, I wrote it down in my notes. Like, am I missing something with the Zuma Gulov guy? Like people are writing these articles saying he's their top prospect and he's the guy to watch. I don't really see it, man. So... I'm going with my top prospect, which is Holly and Paiva. I think he beats this kid up, Shaq. Yeah, you know, Zalgas, man, he was super underwhelming to me. Um, you know, people had hyped him up as if he was, like, this big Russian star. I know he got some some big wins over uh, Bogantinov. Yeah, the the ghost of Bogantinov, you know, the, the Bogantinov without steroids. Um uh, you know, he's beat Tagir, who got to, who got signed as well, which was controversial to me. I honestly thought Tagir won that fight. I, I thought the Tyson Nam fight, I thought there's a case to be made that Tyson Nam won the last three rounds as well. I mean, he had him on the, the fence the entire time. Um, this guy is all gosh, man. It's like one of those things where if his name was, you know, Joe Blow, he, he wouldn't be shit, you know. <laughs> You know, I think this is a good fight for Paiva to come out here, like you said, push this guy back. This guy, I've seen him numerous amount of times with his back completely on the fence, getting teed off on, getting dropped by grapplers. Um, and this guy, Paiva, man, you just got to give him more time to get comfortable. He kind of reminds me of a young James, a young, healthy James Vick. You know, he, he's he got the volume. He moves forward. Yeah, he leaves his chin sky high. But, you know, as, as for right now, until he starts taking, uh, you know, big big uh, KO type of blows I think that he, he's fine in that department as well especially in this matchup Zalgas is a like you said a, a watered down Russian coaster basic style moves back his Paiva's definitely better in the grappling side I mean Paiva's grappling is uh 
is top notch in my opinion. I don't know if he's a black belt yet, but I know he he is on his way. You know, a fun fact is my boy Paiva used to used to uh, skip school, you know, to go train jujitsu with the kids in the uh, in with the neighborhood, and then his and, and his mom started uh started chasing him with a broom and shit. So. <laughs> You know, my boy Paiva, man, I think he's built for this. I think Zalgas, yeah, you know, he'll win a couple here and there, but he's not the, you know, I think he's got this reputation, you know, just off the, the Kazakhstani thing and, you know, uh, how we see a lot of these fighters. But I think he's very basic, simple, and I honestly think that Paiva should come out here and, and do his thing, you know. You know, just look at Paiva's last fight against, uh, against Mark. You know, Mark's a tough guy. A lot of guys didn't finish him, you know, Kaikara, Perez, um, Espinosa, you know, he went the distance with those guys. But when he fought my boy Halion, there was no room for running. There was there was none of that. My boy Paiva, you know, put him in the ground. So I, I like Paiva here. One of the brighter prospects at 125. And, and in my opinion, man, I don't want to say that the Bontarine fight was mishandled because the, the cut was bad. So I, I definitely understand that. But I think I think one could say, man, if, if that fight keeps going, man, that you know, I know Bontarine lifted him up sky high and slammed him and, and this and that. But, man, I truly believe if that fight would have kept going, that Halion would have uh, would have uh, pieced uh, Bontarine up in the, in that second and third round. So I'm, I'm so in, in the Kai Kara France, uh, the France fight, man, that was super close in New Zealand. So, you know, I think Paiva had some, a little bit of bad luck to start off. But now I see things. You know, uh, being bright skies for him moving forward. And, and I think he puts away Zalgas and makes a statement and, and solidifies his spot in those rankings. Can we talk about that Bontarine fight for a second? Was Osiris Maya trying to make it the Osiris Maya show? Because he stopped that fight on three separate occasions, and it was some of the worst refing I've ever seen in my life. First, he stops it to check on a cut for uh, Bontorin. Then he uh, restarts them standing, and then he stops it again. He's like, wait, wait, I fucked up. Start on the ground. Then he stops again for Paiva's cut. I was like, dude, what are you doing? And I agree with you. If that uh, Kaikar France fight was in Vegas or Abu Dhabi, uh, there's no. it's not a guarantee that Kaikar France is winning that decision, Shaq. Yeah, 100%. Paiva's got that move forward style where he likes to counter with three and four shots and yeah, I, I just don't see this guy's August uh, lasting the 15 minutes, but we'll see, man. He's a tough guy. You know, he, he might. And the only way I see this fight being close is if Paiva is hesitant to throw. If, if Paiva's hesitant, but that's never been an issue with Holly on, man. Paiva will get down and get dirty in there. So I think this is a good spot for him. But I did hear Paiva lost the coach along the way. One of his coaches, uh, I think his head coach, tested positive for the for the COVID. So he kind of he's only out there with teammates, but I, I think he'll be fine. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Marcin Tibora. He's 18 and 6, and Maxime Grishin is 30 and 7. Currently, they got Marcin Tibura minus 115, and Maxime Grishin is minus 105. So, Shaq, I mean, obviously everyone knows Tibura, but fun fact about the newcomer, Maxine Grishin, he actually has a first round finish over Alexander Volkov back in the day. So, I know the whole narrative is that he's this light heavyweight going up to heavyweight, but, uh, He's got some experience with the big boys uh, in the past, so he's no he's no newcomer to the heavyweight division. But uh, with that being said, how do you think they match up? Yeah, Maxine, uh, Maxine, I, I know him. I, I actually thought he would uh, beat Jordan Johnson and give him his uh, first L. He did that, but then he lost the rematch. Um, 
he's typical resting kosher solid kickboxer and then Tybora I'm happy for him he was finally you know he was able to save his job against uh uh what's that kid's name the fraud uh, that beat Tuivasa Spivak he was uh able to do his thing in that matchup you know uh never haven't been on high on Tybora in a while but I actually think this is a good fight for him man uh he's much bigger in the weight um I, you know I, I'm not a fan of his little methodical teep style and I, I think Tybor is soft but I think Grisham man you know if you watch that rematch with Johnson he just has kind of like a similar style to Zogus where he can be pushed back you know the volume can be low at times you know but if you want to you know but Tybor kind of probably will meet him with that slow methodical style maybe possibly it's a little close uh, a little lackluster heavyweight type of fight I'll go with Tybor just because I think he's more prepared for this fight. His confidence might be uh, a little higher now. The fact that he's coming off a win instead of these vicious KO losses like Black Beast, Sakai, and uh, and Shamil, you know, that he was coming off of. But, uh, you know, so I'm going to go with Tybor in this one. I, I think that he's the better fighter, the more prepared fighter. Um, but man, you know, sometimes Tybor just, his vibe sometimes just isn't good. But I think he'll get this one. You know, it's funny. I actually liked the original opponent better for uh, Tybora. Uh, I watched Alexander Romanov's entire career, and at first I was like, man, he could totally go out there and beat Tybora. But then when, when you start watching some of the later fights and you actually see him going those deeper rounds, and it was like, man, maybe not. But here with Grisham, this, this is one of the toughest fights for me to call on the entire card because it's like Tybora definitely has – I mean, you know exactly what Tybora is, man. He's got that volume striking to an extent, you know. He can mix in takedowns from time to time. The gas tank is suspect. The chin is very questionable. With Maxine Grishin, we don't really know what kind of shape he's in coming in the, you know, this UFC debut. But he's had so many damn fights. You know, he's uh, how, how many fights has this guy had? He's had um, 39 pro fights. So this guy's very seasoned. Like I mentioned, beat Alexander Volkov a million years ago. So at least he's been in there with real guys. It's a tough one for me. I'm going to lean with Maxine Grishin. I feel like he's well-rounded enough to come in here and upset Tybora, but we'll see what happens. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Leo Santos. He's 17-3, and and Roman Bogatov is 10-0. and Currently, they got Leo Santos, minus 175. The comeback on Roman Bogatov is plus 155. Uh, I love this fight, Shaq. Uh, Leo Santos is such an underrated badass. I mean... This guy, you know, it's funny because you called the Russian fighters like masters of sport and, you know, this and that. And I feel like Leo Santos is like a master of fighting, man. This guy has been such a badass since his UFC debut. Uh, obviously, his world-class jiu-jitsu. And I'm not just talking about for MMA. Even in pure jiu-jitsu, he actually submitted GSP with a flying armbar in pure jiu-jitsu back in the day. He's got the knockout power. You saw him knock out Kevin Lee, which was a huge upset at the time. And we'll, we'll mention the Stevie Ray fight here in a second. So... You know, the guy's like 40, 41 years old. So I'm thinking after he has this three-round sparring match with uh, Adriana Martins where he only landed 23 significant strikes through, you know, throughout the three-round duration, then comes back after a three-year layoff, I'm thinking, hey, go out there and have a three-round sparring match with Stevie Ray and let me catch this plus 250. And uh, Leo showed that, hey, man, I still got it. You know, that, uh, that pull counter with that right hand is so nasty. And he's one of those guys that if if you want to beat him you actually have to beat him if you try to have you know a slow paced back and forth fight and he goes i go type thing he's going to beat your ass and you give him some kind of a position on the mat too he can submit you out of nowhere 
But one thing about this kid Bogatov is he can wrestle his ass off and he's willing to wrestle the entire fight. Like, this guy is going to shoot for takedowns every single fight he's in. And I like him, man, because it's not that I like his striking technique. It's not like that I like his jujitsu. I like his willingness to go forward and engage in where his strength lies, and that's the wrestling. So he will be trying to push Leo Santos against that fence and mix in takedowns. And that's what's so interesting to me about this fight because we haven't really seen anybody go out there and use a wrestling game plan against Leo Santos. Even Kevin Lee was out there trying to knock him out, and I guess Tony Martin might have pushed him against the fence uh, in that first round but it was Leo Santos that was able to take him down and, you know, get uh, get the submission. So in this fight, this is really interesting because we know Leo Santos is super well-rounded in, in not just the striking and jiu-jitsu, but even the offensive wrestling. I've seen blast doubles from Leo Santos against Kevin Lee. The only area I haven't seen Shaq is the defensive wrestling. Now, I can make an assumption because, you know, he's trained at Nova Uniao his entire career, and They've always been historically known for their unbelievable takedown defense. So I would assume he's got good takedown defense, but I could also think that maybe, you know, he's one of those guys that'll happily give up the takedown so he could start working his jujitsu game. So th that makes it interesting for me. I have to favor Leo just because the experience, I think he's the more well-rounded guy and I think he's a serious fighter. It's just, I'm curious what happens if Roman can push that pace on him, mix in takedowns, push him against the fence and kind of, make the cardio start to come out, make him work. If Roman makes him work, I think it can be a really close, interesting fight. But if not, I see Leo potentially, you know, capitalizing on an opening, submitting him, knocking him out, or winning the decision. Yeah, it's an interesting fight, man. You know, I kind of underestimate Santos a lot just because he's always coming off these big layoffs, man. But, uh, and he's old, 40, uh, north of 40 years old. Um, but, man, I in, in hindsight, man, he probably... You know, with him taking all that time off in between fights, he uh, he probably, you know, keeps his body fresher than most 40-year-olds, uh, you know, limits the damage more than most 40-year-olds. Uh, so I feel like that's why he's probably uh, had a lot of success. Um, but, man, I keep underestimating the guy. You know, I remember when I uh, had a big bet on Kevin Lee back in the day, and next thing you know, Kevin Lee was, uh, you know... Uh, had it had his head on the had had his head on the mac talking about an early stoppage and shit and then you know the uh the stevie ray fight stevie ray was also unconscious on that mat as well so you know leo santos has definitely been doing this thing i just feel like in this particular spot against uh bogatov that he he, he kind of it's a i feel like it's more of a riskier fight man i feel like you know stevie ray and uh kevin lee and these guys definitely have bigger names kind of I uh, feel like he had more to gain, not saying that he doesn't have nothing to gain in beating this uh, Russian, but this guy is a newcomer. Not many people know, uh, you know, know much uh, about him. And like, like you said, he's got the basic, you know, pressing wrestling clinch style, uh, which is going to be tough to beat Leo Santos with. But man, I always in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, how can this guy continue to compete at this level uh, you know, knocking these guys out with these slip pull counters and, you know, uh, Dustin, Kevin Lee and just looking very impressive. So, yes, I, I lean Leo, but Bogatov, his style, man, that style, it might be boring. It might be, you know, lackluster, but that style wins fights, man. If he can come out here, keep him pressed on the cage, be the aggressor a little bit. Uh, and, you know, just keep him pressed on the cage. Maybe Leo has a little bit of an off night at, you know, uh, at 40 years uh, forty years old and Bogatov's able to squeak out a decision. So uh, I actually think, I don't want to say it's a dog or pass situation, 
Um, but I, that's kind of more the side that, I, you know, I, I think it, it is more right from a betting perspective just because, you know, Leo Santos, uh, these things can happen when you least expect it. I know he's coming off these vicious KO wins, but can he continue to do that, you know? Um, so I'm, I'll take Leo. I actually think it's going to be a close fight, though, man. I actually think, like, it's not going to be, you know, one of these uh, vicious KOs. I think Bogatov has a very uh, frustrating style that could, uh, you know, make the fight slow and uncomfortable, you know. But I'll take Leo for the win. More experienced in the UFC. He, he keeps proving me wrong, so, you know, maybe I'll, I'll stop doubting him. But, you know, I'll, I'll take uh, Leo for the win. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Makwan Amir Khani. He's 15 and 4, and Danny Henry is 12 and 3. Currently, they got Makwan Amir Khani minus 200. The comeback on Danny Henry is plus 170. Well, Shaq, I mean, I think we kind of know what both guys want to do. Makwan wants to get this to the mat. Danny wants to keep it standing. Danny potentially wants a comeback finish if Makwan starts to gas out, which he has done in the past. My only question here, Shaq, is. Uh, do you have to be a certain level to beat Makwan Amirkani? I mean, like, don't you have to be like a Shane Burgos or Arnold Allen level guy? Or do you think that Danny Henry can come out here and potentially get this uh, comeback finish? Yeah, this is one of the more tougher ones to call, in my opinion, because I, I like Makwan. I, I think, you know, he's a solid wrestler, got some some wrestling chops on him. And I feel like the jury's still out on Henry a bit, man, because, you know, the Tamor fight, he did get cracked a lot, but Tamor, you know, is a better striker than Makwan and, you know, some of these other guys. And uh, he did get touched up in that fight. But, man, he showed some good mental fortitude in the second and third rounds and, and beat his ass and did his thing. Then he comes back and runs through the water really quick. And, you know, sometimes in the past I said that was a fluke, but he, it's not a fluke, man. He cracked him with the right hand. He got dropped and he and he choked him out but then you know the fight against Ige I know he was coming off of elbow surgery uh with some bone spurs and then he uh and Dan Ige's a top 10 11 guy so you know uh Ige ran through him and that's what Ige does sometimes man so I feel like the jury still is like he could either be complete shit or you know maybe he is underrated I wouldn't completely write him off just yet because he got dominated by Ige. Um, just how they match up, you know, Henry's a long, tall guy, man. I feel like it's going to be a little bit harder for Makwan to, you know, shoot out in the open. Uh, you know, the distance is going to be a little different as in comparison to a, a Fishy or, you know, a Jason Knight. Uh, you know, uh, I think the takedown in the open is going to be a little bit different. And and Henry has some good, uh, you know, and like you said, he wants to keep the fight standing, but Henry's got some some grappling as well, man. He, he's got some good instincts on the mat. Uh, he's got some submission wins, so... And I feel like Makwan, his striking, yeah, it got a little better. But, man, I feel like he's got some big, big issues with, like, you know, I feel like he just throws with that. He leads with that right hook way too much, and he's so open for it straight down the middle. And he's been dropped. Jason Knight dropped him twice. Uh, but, you know, uh, Fishy touched him up a little bit. But I feel like Fishy was so emotionally invested in that fight, he couldn't think straight. And then uh, – Shane Burgos fight, he finally got a taste of what that, uh, you know, top 
10 competition was like, man. So I feel like either Maquan comes back, you know, more improved and, you know, learned his lessons in that fight. And he did good in that first round. But, you know, the whole notion that, oh, he was ragdolling him. Uh, he was he was whooping Shane's ass. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I think Shane kind of realized, okay, just let this kid burn himself out with these takedown attempts, you know, these mat returns. And, and then I'll wail on him in the last two rounds. And that's exactly what happened. So um, skill-wise, I, I, I'm not that high on Makwa. I, th- I, I think he's got good wrestling, but I think his boxing has, uh, there's openings to capitalize. He's been dropped and hurt a few times in the UFC. Uh, it's a t- I don't think he should be minus 200, man. I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now. I, I don't think he should be that high. Um, and I think that people are kind of over overestimating this loss against uh, Ige on Henry's side. Um, I do think Maquan is just slightly the better fighter, but from a better pre- betting perspective, I think his dog are past, man. I think, you know, in, this, in Henry's last fight, more people were on him in that in that Ige fight. You know, I feel like Henry strikes best when people are going against him completely. You know, when everyone's against him, I feel like he's one of those fighters that strike best that way. And Amir Khani, tough guy, man, but I just think uh, I just don't think I'm not as high as on high on, on him as I was a year ago. You know, I think he's got, you know, a good darts choke, uh, some good grappling, but I, his striking just, uh, it worries me at times. Like, I feel like there's just opportunities for him to get dropped, knocked out. Uh, but we'll see. Henry's not necessarily known for his punching power, but I'm interested to see how this plays. I want to see if Maquan can take him down at will, uh, who's going to get the better of the grappling. But I'll, I'll take Maquan by split decision. But from a betting perspective, uh, Henry or pass. Yeah, look, uh, Henry's very long for the weight class. I mean, you start to shoot on some takedowns and they're not set up. He can snatch up the neck. Uh, he's really basically known for his comeback finishes. I mean, the the shitty Tamor was teeing off on him to a point, but he gassed himself out, and then Danny uh, and then uh, Danny Henry was able to take over. So, I mean, something similar could happen here because Maquan just goes hard for that takedown, and he does have a bit of a gas tank issue in the late going. Um, one fun fact, Makwan Amirkani's landed a takedown in every single UFC fight he's had except the Andy Ogle fight, which was like a nine-second flying knee knockout. So aside from the nine-second flying knee knockout, he's landed a takedown every single time. And if he can take down guys like Shane Burgos and uh, Arnold Allen, I definitely think he can take down Danny Henry. It's just what happens after that. Is he able to, you know, ride out the top position, potentially submit him, or will, you know, Henry make him work for everything and then eventually come back. So I, I lean with the favorite as well. I'm going to take Makwan Amirkani to, to kind of grind this one out, potentially get a submission along the way. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. He's 22-6, and six, and Muslim Salikov is 16-2. and two. Currently, they got... Muslim Salikov, minus 135, the comeback on Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos is plus 115. So, uh, Shaq, it was a pick but some action's been coming in on uh, Muslim Salikov. And let, let's throw out some fun facts. So, uh, Zaleski's undefeated against Russians in the UFC so far. Uh, you know, he beat Omar Yachmedov by knockout. He beat Kunchenko. So now he's fighting his third Russian in the UFC, who brings a little bit of a different skill set to the table here. And, uh, Man, um, how, how do you feel about this matchup? You think Zaleski's going to try to stand and bang, or is he going to try to do the Curtis Melender game plan here? 
Yeah, very good matchup. Very good matchup. Uh, like you said, they know about Elijah down there in, in Dagestan and in Russia. He took out two of their boys already, finished one of them. The last one, some people think it was controversial, very close fight. In um, Salikov, man, this guy... Ever since the Garcia stunt, man, he's been looking. Uh, he's been looking very good. I feel like the Garcia fight, he uh, his grappling just wasn't there yet. Every time they hit the clinch, the tie up, or on the mat, he just looked like he lost. He didn't know what to do. Uh, he just looked like he didn't have a ground game. So, uh, and then his 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 fights ever since then. Uh, Guys have been striking with him. Ricky Rainey got knocked out. Uh, Nordin Taleb. I feel. I feel like you know they kind of brought him back down to that low level competition. Ricky Rainey, you know, that's not a UFC level guy, but Muslim treated him accordingly. Taleb was on the tail end, 40 years old. He did his thing there. And then Steripoli, man, he, he beat his ass start to finish 30, 26 on two cards. So Muslim Salikov seems to be trending upwards. And Elizu Zaleski, in my opinion, is kind of trending downwards, man. I feel like, uh, you know, a year ago he was, you know, looking great, knocking out Strickland, um, Akhmedov, Griffin, you know, the, the some very tough guys. And then, uh, you know, the, the Li Jing Liang fight, you know, he got his ass beat from start to finish, man. I mean, there was no other way to put it. And then, you know, he comes back against Kunchenko. And I know Kunchenko's a Russian coaster, and it's hard to, you know, like, pick his, you know, read him very well just because he doesn't really give much to go off of. Um but it just didn't. Uh, it was. It was seemed like Eliza was kind of trying to weasel a win out of there. You know what I'm saying? But hey, Kunchenko's 21, 20 and one, so I get it. Um, but I do feel like maybe Eliza it, it turned into an old Brazilian overnight. I mean, it happens. I mean, especially when you fight the the way that he was fighting. I mean, in all those wins. The, like the Lyman Good fight and all those great performances, man. He took a lot of damage in those fights as well. So maybe. Uh, Maybe he uh, is on the, the the decline a little bit, but as far as how they match up, I definitely feel like Elijah was going to try to take him down, try to rush him. He's got an underrated double leg himself, um, and Salikov's ground game hasn't been tested since the uh, the Alex Garcia fight. But man, Salikov's been looking real comfortable on the feet. I give him the edge on the feet, those spins to the body. And, and Elijah does kind of duck his head down a lot, so he, he's got to be very, very careful. Um, I feel like it's a closely matched fight. Um, I don't feel like you can be too confident on either side. Um, but I, I lean Salikov. I feel like he's the better, the better hands. Uh, kicks are about even. Elijah, I mean, he's also knocked out some guys with some spins as well. I know you remember when Sean Strickland was unconscious on that match. So he, he's known, you know, we got the Capoeira versus the, versus the Kung Fu. Uh, I lean Salikov just slightly, um, so he's gonna be my pick to win. And, and you know, I don't—I'm not gonna say it's dog or pass because I, I do see Salikov landing the harder shots, and I just feel like Eliza's last two fights have kind of been like completely opposite of his first, uh, you know, first eight or whatever they were. You know, the the first eight were like madness, you know just exciting. He's going after these guys, but maybe uh, uh, Kunchenko, I know he's off two losses, but I feel like he is a tough opponent. Um, but I'm going to go with Salikov. I feel like he'll, he'll get the better of the boxing exchanges, maybe get a knockdown. Um, but we'll see We'll see if his ground game gets tested, man. I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens if Eliza gets on top of him. I know Salikov has been putting in work in that area, but I feel like we're going to really... Uh, see see what his ground game's like on Saturday night. Um, 
But I'm going to go with Salikov by uh, 29-28 decision. Yeah, look, this is a really, really interesting fight. Uh, I, I would assume that Zaleski is going to try to get this to the mat and tap him out because I'm telling you right now, Shaq, if he tries to stand and bang with Muslim Salikov, he will be knocked unconscious. Uh, Muslim Salikov is too fast. He's too accurate. He's too powerful for Eliza Zaleski standing. And, you know, Going into that Kunchenko fight, we thought it was going to be a close fight, but, you know, the whole thing was Kunchenko's a little slow. Kunchenko always takes the first round off, you know, this and that. And there were moments there where I saw the openings where Muslim Salikov can go out there and knock him out. I mean, Kunchenko was getting off on some big strikes, arguably won the second and third. He kind of fucked it up with that takedown in the last 30 seconds. But, man, uh, if that wasn't in Brazil, there's a chance that Kunchenko could have got his arm raised. But more importantly than who you scored it for, I agree with your point that Zaleski has not looked the same as last two fights. And, you know, more importantly than that, maybe we overrated him a bit because, like, even in, like, that Luigi Vandermini fight, I mean, he got his back taken in a full, uh, fully locked-in rear naked choke in that first round. He, he was able to survive against the newcomer. But I'm just saying we've seen him in bad spots before, man. And the Lyman fight was kind of close as well. Basically, this whole narrative about, you know, Oh, all you got to do on the feet is go out there and out volume Muslim Salikov. I think that's the most tone deaf narrative I've ever heard because saying that he's going to go out there and out volume him implies that all of Muslim Salikov's shots aren't affecting him, which I just do not see happening at all. I think when Muslim Salikov touches him, it's going to either drop him, rock him, or knock him out. And then when you compare the difference in the spins, yeah, you know, Zaleski's got some cool spins, but the speed that Muslim Salikov has is something serious, man. And, you know, people used to call him KO or bust. Then you put him in there with an aggressive Argentine and Loriano Staropoli, who was trying to do the whole volume approach. And uh, then you saw what happens when you give Muslim Salikov openings throughout a three-round duration, and he teed off on him, got a 30-26 in that fight. So, uh, and also showed some improved takedown defense. So, you know, the difference between a guy like Muslim Salikov and a guy like Curtis Melender is, you know, Curtis Melender thinks that, you know, training jujitsu and rolling around with, you know, with guys on the mat is kind of, you know what, whereas Muslim Salikov got tapped out. And then the next day he puts on his gi, humbled himself and decided, Hey, this is what I got to work on. Now he's training with all those Russians and you know, he's improving that part of his game. Look, if Zaleski takes his back, it's probably going to be over, but for Zaleski to get his back, that's a completely different story. So I do think uh, Muslim Salikov is going to knock him out. But if it happens to go to the, the, the judges' scorecards, no guy named Muslim is losing a judge's decision in Abu Dhabi. So I'm going with Muslim Salikov here to defeat Eliza Zaleski. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Volkan Uzdemir. He's 17-4, and four, and Jiri Prochaska is 26-3. and three. Currently, they got Volkan Uzdemir minus 160. The comeback on Jiri Prochaska is plus 140. So, Shaq, uh, you don't often get newcomers who have to face Volkan Uzdemir in their UFC debut, but this kid, Jiri Prochaska, is coming in here with 30 fights under his belt. So, there's not anything where, you know, he needs to get more seasoning on the regional scene or needs a little more experience. This is this is him in his prime right here. 30 pro fights, knocked out a lot of UFC vets, and I know people are going to say all the people he beat are, are washed up. I don't think Vadim Nemkov is washed up, but aside from that, you know, I get their point. But that being said, you think he's ready to come out here and compete with Volkan Uzdemir? Yeah, this fight with Volkan and Jerry is interesting as well because 
you know, I watched Jerry's, you know, last few fights. And like you said, I mean, he hasn't fought anybody. I mean, I know he beat King Mo. Yeah, King Mo, a uh, uh, fight away from retirement. The, the ghost of C.B. Dalloway and uh, Fabio Maldonado. He's got the the uh, win over Nemkov, like you said. But, man, you, you can't forget that Nemkov is only like 25 now or six. And so I know he uh, was very, is that the fight where Nemkov quit on the stool? Yep. Yeah. You know, you, I think he was like very young at the time of that fight happened. And Ozdemir, you know, um, I've always felt like he was a little overrated. Um, especially after the Cormier fight, you know, I actually predicted that Smith would finish him and, you know, uh, the Reyes fight didn't go his way. A lot of people thought he won, but then it's weird that a lot of people thought he lost to Ratchik, which is kind of confusing to me. But, um, I mean, did you, did you see that weld on my boy, uh, Alexander's leg? I mean, that thing was like a fucking golf ball, man. Straight up. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Man, uh, Ozdemir's tough. You know he's going to bring it. We know the issues with Ozdemir's game is his cardio and that he's kind of slow and plotty. And, you know, he he does take shots, but he's got a a very good chin and he's tough. You know, Jerry, I I like his size. I think he's huge. I think he's got maybe even a more efficient style, uh, you know, throughout the course of a 15 minutes. It's just that I don't think he's been tested in a long, long time, man. I just feel like for this is one of the, at least Ozdemir's the favorite, and I think they got the you know at least it's not like close to a pick'em or anything like that. But I just think that a lot of times you know people want to create the next big thing, and you know it happens week in and week out. And I feel like you know taking shots on Jerry, you know. It, Big guy, owes the mirror, gases out, et cetera, this and that. But I got owes the mirror, man. I think he's going to hurt this kid and knock him out, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I, I think Jerry puts a lot of weight on his front leg. And I saw a Dalloway calf kick him a bunch of times right before he got knocked out. Uh, I felt like the calf kicks were, you know, if Dalloway wasn't completely done, I'm not saying, you know what I'm trying to say. It's just, you know, Dalloway's fucking completely shot. Um, I just feel like the competition over the last two, three, four years has just been light, like light, light. Um, and they're against good names. Don't get me wrong. It's just like all those guys were fucking done washouts, you know, um, as where Ozdemir is in here in the fire against Dominic Reyes, who, you know, gave Jones the toughest fight or uh, Alexander fucking Ratchik. I mean, Alexander Ratchik was this big fucking he-ho prospect, you know, that everyone thought was Jesus. And Ozdemir went out there, in my opinion, and, and did his thing the last two rounds and was able to out-tough him. You know, I know Ozdemir's a little sloppy and, and you know, gets hit a lot and he slows down. But, man, I don't think Jerry's been tested any anything remotely on this level in a while, man. I, I got Ozdemir. I think the experience is going to be too much on Saturday. Jerry puts a lot of weight on his front leg. His hands are down. I, I see Ozdemir clipping him at some point and getting a KO. Um, I just do not see Jerry being ready for this level of competition yet. Not Maybe if he was coming in here and taking on like a, like a span or a, you know, crew, like, uh, you said what? Latifi. 
Yeah, like a Latifi span, crudely, you know, someone like borderline 15, like outside the top 15, I would think it's a better spot. But I feel like this is a little bit too much of a jump. I know the kid had a lot of hype, you know, coming over from Ryzen, but those Ryzen shows are almost like circus shows, man. You got guys with shoes on in there. You got guys, you know, uh, the refs got earpieces in. Not saying that they're fake fights because they're not. It's just that the the rules are a lot different. You know, he's going to have to make a, a little adjustment, you know, coming into the UFC. I don't think he's ready for this, man. Um, I think he'll come back better. I think he'll definitely get some win- wins in his UFC career, but to to come out the gates and, and fight Ozdemir and think you're going to beat him. I don't see it happening. Uh, I'm going to go with Ozdemir by second round knockout. Yeah. I mean, when you get to fight Volkan Ozdemir in your UFC debut, basically it's sink or swim. Cause this is the top five of the light heavyweight division. And I guess the reason they they think he's ready to compete with him is because he's had 30 pro fights, all the names he's beaten, all that stuff and his style, you know, very tall. He's got some decent boxing, but man, you bring up a good point about that last fight with CB Dalloway, the leg kicks, were very very open and uh you just saw what Volcan did to somewhat of a similar opponent in, in Rockets you know a really big mobile dude uh and it's funny I still see people online saying that Rockets fight was a robbery like what like so I watched it live I scored the first round for Rockets the second and third for Volcan I watched it last night scored it the exact same way I don't really see the argument for Rockich winning that fight. Rockich won the first round. That does not mean he won the second and third. So, you know, it, the Reyes fight was a lot more, you know, that that was closer. I personally edged it to Reyes, but that's one of those fights where sometimes I watch it and I think Volcan won. Sometimes I watch it and I think Reyes won. But every time I watch the Rockich fight, I always think that Volcan won the second and third and Rockich won the first. But as far as this one's concerned, you know, as far as this fight's concerned, just, you know, one of these cases where, you know, Volcan don't, you know... Don't do anything stupid. Don't gas out. Because, you know, we've seen Volcan put in some bad spots, you know, throughout his career. You know, the the Kelly Anunson fight, the DC fight, the Anthony Smith fight. So, you know, when things get kind of hard in there and you take his back, you know, he will tap the mat. And one thing I'll give Jiri credit for is, you know, the one time he got submitted, he went to sleep. Uh, you know, against King Mo when he lost the first time half a decade ago, he was teeing off on King Mo. He was beating King Mo so easily that he made a rookie mistake, rushed in, got too excited, got caught, but then he, you know, destroyed him in the rematch. But, you know, he's a tough guy. He's definitely earned his way to make it to this UFC call, no doubt about it. I I, I just agree with you that, you know, a Latifi would have been a more, you know, suitable opponent for the debut, get him a nice highlight reel finish. But, hey, Mick and Sean think he's ready to swim with the Sharks right now. So I'm curious to see. Vegas lined it really close. I'm glad they opened Volcan the slight favorite, but – let, let's see what happens. I'm leaning Volkan Uzdemir in this one. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Amanda Hebas. She's 9-1. and one, And Paige Van Zant is 8-4. and four. Currently, they got Amanda Hebas minus 900. The comeback on Paige Van Zant is plus 600. So I, I'm going to be pretty quick on this one, Shaq. So a lot of people are hitting me up saying, like, should I take a shot on Paige Van Zant? Is this a dog or pass situation? No, this is not a dog or pass situation. Basically, this is a situation where... This is the last fight of Paige Van Zandt's contract. They're not going to re-sign her. They're done with her bullshit. Let's uh, give one of our 
top prospects in this division, a highlight reel win on the first fight of pay-per-view, and build up uh, Amanda Hebas after this. You know, Amanda Hebas has her covered everywhere the fight goes. You know, it's funny. We can bring up how, you know, Amanda Hebas got knocked out by Pollyanna Vienna a couple years back. Hey, if Pollyanna Vienna knocked her out, maybe uh, maybe Paige Van Zandt can't too. But, uh, look, it's going to be a real fluke for Paige Van Zandt to win this fight. I don't see that happening. Uh, I-, I got Amanda Hebas by finishing the spot, Shaq. Paige getting a KO and rebus is one of the biggest jokes of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, uh, yeah, man, this is a mismatch and they have, man. Bro, Paige Van Zandt fucking, look, I think she, you know, got some good wins. B. Felice, uh, Rowdy Beck, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of Alex Chambers. Uh, who else don't don't forget know? Kylan uh, Curran. Kylan Curran. Who hasn't beaten Kylan Curran? Uh you know, so, you know, she's, but yeah, like you said, bro, this is a more of a uh, punishment. You know, the UFC has been tired of her diva, her diva-ish ways. And, you know, uh, for a long time, you know, um, I heard they didn't sign uh, her husband, you know, for her, for just, you know, for those reasons as well, you know, when he won on Contender Series. Um, and now they're, you know, feeding her to Rebus, who, man, for the last couple of fights, I know you guys have been uh, hearing me rave about this girl, but man, ever since I saw her do Whitmire like that, bro, I, I've been like, yo, this chick is uh, the real deal. You know, I kind of was a little skeptical going into the McKenzie just because McKenzie was also a big hyped undefeated prospect, but the way she beat her ass it was like damn and then you know a lot of people were saying oh this random marcos line is too high and should she really be minus 400 against randa and uh i i heard there was a you know 30 25s and you know big big uh big scorecard so yeah i i see uh this being either a 30 24 5 situation or uh or a submission victory page has been submitted by rear naked choke on more than one occasion um tough girl page can't take a shot but we're like look at the type of fighters that she lost like she lost to rose clark and i know rose clark's in, in a different ways class but just the caliber of fighter like rose clark eh, sucks let's just be honest here you know um <laughs> like and she got you know she broke her arm i know that but she breaks her arm every fight so you know i think uh i got rebus here by complete and utter domination and next up in the strawweight division we got a rematch between jessica andrage she's 20 and 7 and rose nama Yunus is 8 and 4 currently they got rose nama Yunus minus 210 the comeback on jessica andrage is plus 175 check let me ask you something, man. So these two fought once, and it was lined minus 120 Andrage, and Andrage knocked her out in under one and a half rounds. Now they rematch, and Rose is a minus 210 favorite with the comeback on Andrage at plus 175. Is this an exaggeration and a stretch and a half, or are they on to something because Rose had a little bit of success in the early going? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. I feel like a lot of the fans have a uh, have like a a love for Rose, you know, a bias for Rose. I mean, you know, I love Rose too, man. I'll never forget when she went out there and knocked out Joanna and then she I bet on her in the uh, rematch at Dog Odds again. So shout out to uh, Rose. But I know you guys have also heard me in the past, you know, kind of criticize Rose, and that's more so for the mental side of things. And I, I have big questions with both people, but I'll get with Rose first. You know, Rose, 
there's a big concern that her head's not in this anymore. She just said months ago that she got burnt out on fighting. She didn't want to be the champion anymore. She just wanted to live a normal life. Like these are alarming things, you know, to be betting her at minus 210 and be, to be having this confidence on, on her after she's already been knocked out against this girl. Um, and just, you know, Rose's mental, it's all about Rose's mental state. I know she's one of the most talented chicks in the division, but her mental side of things can be very up and down. You know, one minute she's, you know, feeling good. One minute she's, you know, depressed. And that, and it's alarming for me because she's always had these type of problems, you know, on the mental side. And, you know, once you start saying things like, you know, I don't, I didn't want to be the champion anymore. And, you know, I just wanted to live a normal life. I, you know, I didn't want, you know, all these cameras in my face. It's It's a sign of, you know, you're on your way out, you know, and I, and I feel like that possibly could be the case here. I know Rose was lighting Andrade up in, in the first round, and I feel like a lot of people, like, everyone touches Andrade, man. Like, I mean, Andrade fights with her hands down, and, you know, she only throws hooks, so, of course, those straight punches are going to land. And, um, but I feel like they are overblowing the success that she had in the in the first round. I know she uh, cut her up and you know busted her up, but I could towards maybe like a minute thirty left in that first round, you could kind of see Rose start to tire a little bit. And we know Rose's cardio has always kind of been an issue. You know, remember that Carolina Kovacavich fight? Even in the Joanna fight, she was able to she won that fight. But in those last two rounds, she definitely visibly was slowing down. Um, so I feel like that's always been an issue in her game. And I actually feel like Andrade has very good underrated cardio, but Andrade, you know, what I'd worry about on her side is, you know, finally, you know, you know, she's so used to just moving forward and bullying these chicks, slamming them on their heads, you know, beating them up with these big power hooks, you know, but now in the fact that she's taken that knockout loss, is she going to have the same confidence to, uh, you know, move forward with that, you know, without that uh, concern of getting knocked out? And I know Wiley Zhang's the champ, but Rose Namajunas, if there's if there's any girls in this division that have the power to actually put girls to sleep, you have to say that Rose Namajunas is, uh, is one of them. Um, but just from a betting perspective, the line is completely off, in my opinion. And, and if you said Rose is a better fighter than Andrade, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you too much. I do feel like she's more dynamic. It's just there's more, you know, there's more circumstances in a fight, man. You know, a fight's not three minutes. A fight is 20. This fight is 25 minutes, you know, uh, 15 minutes. Um, The first one was 25 minutes. You know, just because she won, you know, you know, picked her apart for three, four minutes doesn't mean, you know, she's a better fighter. Are you a better fighter, you know, throughout the whole fight? And, you know, I don't think that's the case, man. I feel like Andrade is tougher mentally throughout the course of 15 minutes. Um, is stronger in the clinch. And Rose, you know, I know she went with some of those... Uh, Kimura, I doubt she's going to do that again this time, but those are the type of moves she relies on. You know, she relies on these, you know, ju these flashy jujitsu moves and she gets a lot of them sometimes, man, you know, some arm bars and some rear naked chokes. But, you know, I just feel like against Andrade, it's probably not going to work out. I feel like Andrade is too strong, but I'm interested to see if Andrade has that same confidence moving forward. And she'll probably be a little bit more cautious just because the fact that she knows she got touched up the first time. But throughout the course of 15 minutes, I just see Andrade breaking her, getting to her. And especially in that second and third round, kind of similar to the Gadelia fight where, yeah, she, she might eat some punches, but I don't think... Uh, 
I just don't see Rose having that same fire as like she had on her way to the title or, you know, the first title defense or so. I just feel like uh, things just aren't mentally there anymore. And like I said, once you hear these people like Whitaker, like Rob Whitaker, for example, you know, saying he's burnt out and you see his, uh, you know, his uh, performance against Izzy or um, there's a couple other guys too, man. Uh, I just can't think of right now, but you know, when they start saying things like that, it's very alarming. You never heard no Jessica Andrade say no shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like Andrade, you know, her and her camp, man, they'll go out there and die if they have to. So uh, I'm going to go with Andrade with the upset here to beat her again for the second time. I, I feel like this is more so like everyone has this soft spot for Rose and, and they're overblowing the, 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 the advantage that she had in that first fight man I, you know yeah she touched her up for three minutes but like you know a fight's more than three minutes so i'm gonna go with andrade here i actually think she finishes her again i'll say by uh by submission so i'll go with the uh, andrade here you know it's funny because that first fight with andrade and rose you know had it not ended via the slam i think andrade would have won a decision you know it, it kind of reminds me of do you remember when we bet on carolina at plus 215 odds against rose nami Yunus in atlanta georgia at ufc 201 and the first round was like the same thing as the first round here with andrade the first round rose nami Yunus was boxing her up she looked amazing in the first round versus carolina too but what happened when it was time to bite down on the mouthpiece and get dirty and really see what's going on when both people are tired carolina was the tougher chick Andrade is the tougher chick. My only concern here with Andrade is that there's a chance her chin has been cracked, you know, because she was getting uh, pieced up that first fight. And then the next fight against Wiley, she got knocked out. So, you know, maybe her chin's kind of, you know, cracked a little bit, even in some of these other fights, like the Claudia fight, the first round or the first round against Tisha. She does get touched up. But if she doesn't go down, if Andrade doesn't get knocked out in this first round, She's going to just overwhelm Rose with the pace, with the aggression, and with the power, with the takedowns. And it doesn't have to be a slam KO. She can mix in takedowns, keep top control. Once Rose starts to slow down, that's where Andrade is going to have the opportunity in the window to go after it. And Rose didn't do this camp in Denver in the crazy elevation with uh, Coach Trevor Whitman. She did this one uh, with uh, Coach Nelson in Minnesota. So I, I see Andrade having success here. And you know, regardless of how I see the fight going, I think this line's completely off. I think it's a big disrespect to Andrade, and you're putting serious chalk on someone who just retired and got slammed KO'd in under one and a half rounds, who was an underdog the first time. I disagree with this line. I'm going with Jessica Andrade for the upset. Now, next up for the vacant Bantamweight title, we got a matchup between Piotr Yan, he's 14-1, and one, and Jose Aldo Jr. is 28-6. and six. Currently, they got Peter Yan, minus 225. The comeback on Jose Aldo is plus 185. Shaq, this is interesting because before I watched any tape, I was thinking, oh, I'm probably going to like Peter Yan for a big bet and all these things. And Peter Yan does have that aura about him. He definitely seems like a future champ, whether he wins it this Saturday or in the future. I mean, the guy, uh, the guy's serious, his pace, his cardio. And one thing I like about him that people don't talk about is uh, – in that Uriah fight, so the first two minutes, he didn't even throw a strike, and he had Uriah biting on those feints so hard, Shaq, uh, to a point where uh, this guy's so calm in there, and you start to, you know, you start to flinch against a guy like Piotr, and you start to show any kind of weakness on him, and I mean, the guy will unload on you. My only thing with this matchup here, man, is that, like, Jose Aldo looked good in his Bantamweight debut. Like, regardless of who you scored that fight for, 
Jose Aldo looked fucking good in that fight, man. And uh, there's been some openings I've noticed in Peter Yan's game. Like, I know people talk about that Rivera fight, and there's things I disagree with, and there's things I agree with. What I disagree with is everyone saying, oh, Rivera was winning that fight until the knockdowns. No, he, no, no, he wasn't, okay? Had there not been knockdowns, Piotr Yan would have still won a decision. But that being said, it'd be crazy for me to overlook some of the openings I saw in that Jimmy Rivera fight, that Jimmy Rivera did catch him clean a couple times. And Jose Aldo hits like an absolute truck. And I'd actually go as far as saying that Jose Aldo is better than Piotr Yan everywhere except one big factor, and that's the cardio. For whatever reason, and I don't know why, throughout Jose Aldo's entire uh historic career his hall of fame career he always gasses out in the later rounds i don't know why like even when he was in his prime against mark hominick you know that fourth and fifth round or just uh you know he he tends to slow down because he goes so hard but this early going here against piotr yan is going to be hell on wheels because jose aldo is not an easy fight for anyone i remember when moicano and jeremy stevens all thought this was going to be you know fun and games oh let's go feast on jose aldo's remains and they got knocked out and you know just because max holloway and conor mcgregor were out here knocking jose aldo out does not mean that these other guys can and you know what would happen if you put piotr yan in there with max holloway or you get knocked out stiff so uh, I, I think it's a situation where some of these losses that Jose Aldo had are to much bigger men, to much better men. But here against Piotr Yan, the reason I'm kind of leaning his way is just because he can keep you know, his composure and maintain that same level of cardio throughout all five rounds. You know, he's not going to slow down whatsoever. And that's where I kind of have the issue, you know, because Jose Aldo is going to come out super hard, but I'm just worried what happens in that third, fourth, and fifth round. I think there's a chance Jose Aldo gets him out of there in the first two rounds. But if this hits that third, fourth, and fifth, that's where I see the volume start to pile up for Piotr Yan. And I think he can come out here and either get a late finish or edge this one out. But Man, I, I'm just saying, like, going into this pre-tape, I was thinking I was going to be super confident on Piotr Yan, but when I watched the tape, I, I'm not. Um, I was actually trying to make cases for Aldo. I'm leaning Piotr Yan, but I actually think it's going to be a really close fight, Shaq. Yeah, great fight, man. I'm glad they picked these two. Yeah, I actually don't think it's going to be that close, man. I feel like uh, Aldo, you know, legend of the sport, but just look how these things tend to go, man. Like he lost his belt at 145. Like I get the whole Peter gets caught with some punches here and there. Jose's Jose and this and that. But just the way these things work, man, he lost his belt at 145. Let me ask you this. Did he get that belt back? <laughs> so it's funny. You know, they gifted him that belt well, back. Yeah. Did, did he win it back in a fight? Exactly. No, no, he did not exactly. win it back in a fight. He was gifted. Wasn't as well the Frankie that. interim? It was an interim title. So basically, he got knocked out by Connor. Then Connor vacated, and then they just promoted Jose back to champ. So him and Frankie didn't fight for an interim belt. I, I believe that was a title defense for Jose. If oh I'm not yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so you know he didn't win that belt back. Uh, he had a couple good wins over you know some top six seven guys like moicano and jeremy you know middle of the pack of the rankings uh you know finish wins great wins um and then he dropped to 35s and uh it lost to volcanasi got outclassed in that fight you know in a three-rounder um which you know like 
when you look at Jose's career, like, like, you know, I still get it. He's a badass and, you know, and all this, but it's like, it's just more trending downwards in my opinion. You know, I feel like, you know, if you would have told me Jose, if you would have told me three, four years ago that Jose Aldo would lose to Marlon Marais, I would have looked at you like, like, you're joking, right? Like, but the, thing is i feel like people are misconstruing that fight now it was a close fight and he definitely uh looked good but going into that fight like that fight didn't shock me like going in i i, I passed on i w- initially wanted to bet marlon big thinking oh you know marlon's gonna be back on track and you know this and that but you know when when i watch the tape on marlon what happens every fucking time marice gets out of the first round i mean it gets fucking shaky like the dotson fight got shaky when he got out the first round fucking um even his world series fights when they go out the first round he gets wild you said what the henry cejudo fight fight whenever this pure facts if if marlon marais doesn't knock you out now everyone's not going to be able to not get knocked out (laughs) a la dominic cruz i hope they i hope they uh make that fight uh here next but uh you know, every time Arias gets out the first round, he slows down. I mean, this is a proven fact, like, throughout his entire career. Like, it's just facts. Like, Marlon Marais hits a wall at some point in that middle part of the second round. He can't move his arm. So, you know, Jose having that success, it personally, for me, didn't really shock me that much. Um, and I feel like... Uh, you know, he's just not as sharp as he used to. Obviously, man, the guy's a lot older. He's taken much more damage since he was the champion. And, you know, in spots where, like, man, in his prime, in that third round, he'd be turning it up turning it up against Marais, would probably get him out of there, and he just can't do it because now he's taken, you know, the third round where he's, he's supposed to have this best round and really stick it to Marais. He's just too old. He's just too slow. He he can't, and I feel like let's look at Marais's perspective going into that fight. Marais was just coming off of what a lot of people thought was one of the more bigger stunts. I feel like Marais's mental state probably was a little cloudy. You know, he fucking, you know, to everyone else, dropped the ball against Cejudo, got knocked out. I feel like he was playing things a little bit more safe in that fight. Not saying that he, he couldn't knock Jose out, but I just feel like mentally he, he was a little bit more in question of himself coming off a loss. Now, Peter Yan, on the other hand, do I think he's the level striker in Marais? No. Do I think uh, he has the the power in Marais? No. But, man, what Peter has over all these guys is that competitive spirit, man. This guy is a competitor to the fullest. This guy is so focused inside that cage, man. He's got his target. He's glued on his target. And, you know, yes, he does get hit. I mean, with that pressure forward style, you're gonna, you know, take a couple counter shots. But it's, it's honestly in one of my, in my head, it's one of those things where if Peter doesn't go down, he's got this fight in the fucking bag, man. Like Jose Aldo at this stage in his career, like I don't see why, like why people would think he's gonna win a title now. Like you know, uh, I think like Peter Yan, um, like I said, doesn't have some of those attributes like Marlon Marais, but like. Bro, just the control of the cage, like the way he switches stances and that explosion when he actually does let his hands go, bro. He brutalizes these dudes like he leaves them like like John Dodson. I know is no Jose Aldo, but like, bro, 
I ain't never seen no one whoop his ass like that. <laughs> like, and I know Peter got dropped in that fight too, but like Dotson, bro, Dotson gives everyone somewhat of a tough fight. Like he gave Marais a tough fight, went to split decision. He gave, uh, he just knocked out uh, the English kid. He uh, gave, he beat Pedro Munoz. Like Peter Yan went out here. The reason why he got this title shot over Aljo and all these other guys is because the way he's beating these guys, like, He's absolutely, like, drowning them, breaking them. And I feel like if Jose Aldo doesn't knock him out, it's like this typical Peter fight. If Peter doesn't go down, he wins. Like, fucking, you know, yeah, he gets caught. He, he overextends here and there. And, and if Aldo catches him with something, hey, props to him. But if you're thinking Aldo has any chance to win a decision, you are fucking delusional, in my opinion. Uh, I think that, like, Peter Yan's too focused in there. I think that Jose Aldo's chin is deteriorating. I know he's cutting this weight, so he's a little he's a little bit more in shape. But like I said, I feel like Peter Yan's a better competitor than Marlon Marais. I feel like he's tougher mentally than Marlon Marais. I feel like he's more focused in the cage than Marlon Marais. I don't think uh, he has those issues like Marlon Marais, you know, when he gets out the first round. I feel like Peter Yan's going to come out here and knock Jose Aldo out in under you know three rounds or so uh just slowly you know chip away at him the first just push him back the entire time jose Aldo doesn't throw his low kicks anymore he's primarily a boxer now and his boxing defense just is not as sharp as what it once was man you know in that third round of the Mar marlin fight man there was the 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 opportunities were there bro like they were all there like he could have done it but he was just too old and too slow and just a little bit weathered to do it. And I feel like Peter Yan is a guy where like he controls, he just controls the chaos so well, man. He actually, he impressed me a lot. You know, I was thinking like, you know, Peter, man, this guy is overhyped. Like, you know, he, he only beat Jimmy and Dotson, but man, when you like the Jimmy fight, like and look, Jimmy Rivera is still, you know, I know he's not one of the, you know, the top five guy that he once was, but man, like <laughs> some of those knockdowns were, were scary the way he hit the ground, man. You know, his leg got folded back up on one of them, just the head kicks. And it's just like, you watch Peter fight, Peter's fights. Where are all these guys at, man? Their backs are completely on the cage, which pretty much puts, puts you in a, those in the, in a position where you have to knock this guy out to win because you're not going to win a decision. You're going to be moving back the entire time. Have you ever seen Peter Yan take one back step in that octagon? I can answer that for you. The answer is no. I'm going with Peter Yan to become the Bantamweight champion by finish. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see him and Aljo up next. And next up in the featherweight division for the featherweight title, we got the champ Alexander Volkanovsky. He's 21 and one. And the former champ, Max Blessed Holloway, is 21-5. and five. Currently, they got Alexander Volkanovsky minus 230. The comeback on Max Blessed Holloway is plus 190. Well, Shaq, you know, it, it, there's so many interesting dynamics about this fight. You know, Holloway, when he, when he was on his way up, man, Holloway used to talk about clearing out the division and, you know, taking a picture with all the belts like DJ. He used to say, I don't just want the undisputed belt. I want the undisputed career. And we just don't hear that from him anymore. Now all he talks about is, I got five belts at home. So, you know, uh, Volkanovski can beat me two more times and I still got more belts than him. So it kind of seems like he's content and not as motivated as he once was. And it's almost like he's accepting the fact that he might not win here. And I also want to bring this up. Max Holloway's absorbed. 1,382 strikes throughout his UFC career. Now, historically speaking, long-reigning champs, 
do not come back to win their belts. And uh, I believe this is simply a case where Volkanovski has Holloway's number. You know, while the first fight was competitive, I expect this one to be more decisive uh, for the champion. You, you know, if, if Max decides to play it safe, I believe he will be outpointed like the first time. If Max decides to take more risks, I see Volkanovski landing some potential fight-ending blows. And look, Volkanovski is a very tough matchup for Holloway because he can exceed Holloway's biggest strength, which is the output. I don't put any stock into this report that uh, came out earlier this week stating that Max Holloway, you know, trained for this camp via, via Zoom call and he hasn't, you know, seen his coaches since two uh, until two days ago in my opinion that's a pr move because look they're on strict lockdown in hawaii and if anyone found out that they were training at the gym behind closed doors like he could he could get in big trouble so you know he's covering for the homies i, I get it man so I, I don't buy any of that bullshit and you know regardless of all that information i, I think volkanovsky wins this fight he's just a better fighter than max holloway max holloway was a great champion man max holloway one of the best featherweights of all time but it's like Volkanovski, you know, if you're overwhelmed by volume and pressure, Max Holloway is going to beat you. And Volkanovski isn't. He's not phased. He's not bothered. You know, he's got the cardio to go the full five rounds. And one of my favorite things about Volkanovski's game, I mean, we can talk about how strong he is. We can talk about the fact that he can mix in takedowns, the fact that he can strike so well, his knockout power, all that shit. What I want to talk about, what about this dude's world-class fainting game? He has the best feints I think I've ever seen in maybe mixed martial arts history, I think he has the best feints in the history of the sport, and he's going to have Max blessed Holloway guessing and biting on things, and when Max finally decides, man, fuck it, I need to go after this little guy, uh, that's when he's going to get countered with something big, and in these uh, rematches, you know, when they go five rounds the first time and then they rematch, the second time usually goes differently, and I think this time will go differently. And I actually think that uh, Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be the first man in MMA history to knock out the great Max Holloway. And I think uh, this Saturday night, there's not going to be any questions about who won the fight. I think it's going to be. I think we're. I think we're moving on from the blessed era. And I think that Volkanovsky is here to stay. I think he finishes the great Max Holloway. Yeah, you know, I feel like Max's days are are, are uh, his best days are behind him, man. You know, I feel like. Even, like, before the whole Poye fight thing, you know, everyone forgets that he was kind of having, like, these concussion issues and, like, you know, uh, he had to be pulled out of a fight. Um, what was it, the Khabib fight or the, the first Frankie, the first Frankie, uh, first Frankie matching? Uh, he had to be pulled out of that fight, uh, had some concussion issues. But then I, I feel like everyone forgot about it after that legendary performance against uh, Brian Ortega. Um, Dan, you know what Brian Ortega is? Retired? A fraud. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> you know, uh, Brian, my boy Brian Ortega is going to have to pay pay up here real, real soon. Just wait till my boy Zombie... Uh, gets his hands on him. But yeah, I feel like everyone forgot about that and just automatically assumed he was going to just stroll in the 55s and, and take out the diamond and, and get a belt. And uh, I, I was there live, bro. I mean, I was seeing chunks fly up in the air. I was seeing, you know, 
I said that night, bro, I don't know if Holloway's chin will ever be the same after you let a guy like Dustin touch it that many times. And uh, what's so funny, man, is like Volkanovski said that, uh, you know, this is before the first fight, that he watched that fight with Dustin about a thousand times, man. He said that he literally has been watching that fight. And he going into the fight, what made me bet on him at Dog Money going into that fight was he was like, I literally watched that fight a thousand times and I know I have this. Like, you know, he's saying like... I feel like Holloway had a aura, uh, had a aura over him where like he was unstoppable, he was unbeatable, and now the fact you know winning 13 fights in a row, now the fact that people have seen him get beat not once but twice since then, I feel like uh, he doesn't have that aura anymore, and he and he's kind of struggling with it uh, personally, man. Kind of like a lot of these champs. Look, I I don't know how many times it's happened, but these guys that win so much at the rate of these guys, for example, like when Joanna lost her belt, I mean she went complete. Del- delusional like uh it was my my nutritionist this and that like holloway behind the scenes is going through a lot of shit man like fucking he doesn't have the same manager not that it matters that much but like these are things like like, whoa whoa, hold on sorry he left brian butler yeah bro like he fucking left brian butler whoa wait some shit must have gone down because like brian butler's hawaiian you know they had that like big relationship like they were yeah boys. I, don't, I don't know what happened but he actually somebody somebody sent me some shit uh like they i think he messaged brian butler and uh, asking him about it and like fucking butler's response was like he didn't like shit on him but like he was just like ask him type shit like so i was like oh damn like fucking i think it's one of these typical cases where like the long reigning champ takes a L and just like doesn't know what to do with himself. Like uh, kind of like Dominic Cruz, like you hear some of the shit he's o- over here blaming losses on, on uh, Keith Peterson and shit, or like, uh, uh, man, there's been so many, so many other examples, man. Uh, or like Chris Weidman, like, Oh, I, I didn't really lose that fight. Like that's what Holloway's saying. Like, he's like, uh, the judges said I didn't win. So, you know, <laughs> like, nah bro you got your ass you got outclassed bro it's okay like just bounce back but ever since the Poirier fight look at his uh subsequent uh, subsequent fight against uh uh Frankie Edgar like bro look all respect to Frankie Edgar but if you were a legit 145er and you can't finish Frankie Edgar I mean look what T-City and uh Zombie went out there and did to him bro they went out there and treated him like he you know, like he was a fucking bro. People were asking me if if uh, zombie fought a bum that night. Like that, that's what people legitimately thought. You know what I'm saying? Like they were, uh, you know, they thought he was in there with a bum. And then, uh, and the fact that Holloway was like just playing it safe and you know not really opening up. And I kind of saw him freezing up whenever he got his chin touched. It kind of let me know right then and there, like. Volk is going to be the champ here, man. And uh, that's exactly what happened. We saw in the first fight, the low kicks uh, played a big factor. And it's one of those things, like you said, Volkanovski, I said that before he fought Aldo, man, this guy's point fighting is on point. And he went out there and, and outpointed Jose to a point where Jose touched him like one time. Jose couldn't even like get off on anything, bro. <laughs> like Jose was like, shit, man. Like I can't, I can't get a, a, a gauge of this guy. And uh, he got out class. So I feel like here, Volkanovski is definitely going to retain this belt. Holloway's a little bit delusional right now. You know, he, he you know, I know the, I feel like these guys are going to have an intense face off. Uh, well, maybe not because the, uh, 
the corona shit but like fucking if the corona shit wasn't here i feel I, i've noticed that ch- the the shit talking has been been uh amped up a little bit you know uh these last couple of days you know uh Volkanovski saying that Max is a sore loser, delusional, and, and a bit deranged, and Holloway saying, "Bro, why, why are you trying to?" Holloway ain't sounding good, bro, in my opinion, man. But you know, we'll see, man. Uh, Holloway's never been dropped, although he's taken all these shots. He's never actually hit the deck per se. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if Volkanovski can uh, be the first guy, first guy to do that. Those Hawaiian chins are somewhat legendary. Um, but I just feel like Volkanovski is a super underrated champion. I know he hasn't defended his title yet, but man, just the around the time he fought Chad Mendez, I was like, man, this guy uh, is fucking good. Like, this guy, you got the faint game. If you want to brawl with him, I mean, you're going to most likely, he's probably going to get the better of that as well. His wrestling's on point. The ground and pound's on point. Um, I know you remember what he did to my boy JBC back in the day with that ground and pound, uh, even uh, that Asian guy he fought too. So um, I feel like Volkanovski's got this one in the bag. Holloway had a great run as a champion, uh, you know, did his thing, but, you know, now he's in the Volk era now, you know what I'm saying? The blessed era is over. And to be honest, it's been over, man. Uh, Just watch that fight with Frankie Edgar and tell me if that's the same Max Holloway that fought. Jose Aldo and, and the first two times and, and Lamas and Jeremy and all these guys, man. I feel it's one of those typical cases of, you know, Holloway started out very young in this sport. He started, he was in the UFC at like fucking 19, 20, like, uh, and he's had a, what, 10 year career, right? Like fucking, this is, you know, yeah, he was a champ. I feel like these are where things possibly start to go downhill, especially when you're like not acknowledging that you just got beat and he was the better man. When you keep saying shit like, Oh, well, he even said in the play fight, well, the judges said I didn't win. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought we had it, you know, like, bro, there, there's no way in hell you could have possibly had it. Like, fucking, but when you're, when you win that much, I, it's understandable. But uh, I, I'm going with, and still Alexander Volkanovsky. I think he's one of the most underrated champs. Main event of the evening for the welterweight title. We got the champion Kamaru Usmani, 16 and one. And the BMF, the challenger, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, he's 35 and 13. Currently, they got Usman minus 265 and Masvidal plus 225. Shaq, look, obviously, Usman's the favorite for a reason. And, you know, it is a short notice fight for Masvidal, even though, you know, he's a lifelong fighter. And according to Dustin, he's been training this entire time. I mean, is this just going to be a Kamara Usman grind, or is this going to be like UFC uh, 199 back when Bisbang upset Rockhold on a week short notice and, you know, achieved uh, the career goal of becoming a UFC world champion, Shaq? Man, this is going to be a dogfight, man. This is going to be a dogfight because, you know, I like Usman. Fucking Usman is fucking serious, man. Like, just his fucking pressure style. Like, he's just strong as fuck. Like, you really... I mean, you have to knock him out to win, in my opinion. Like, uh, he is a little bit chinny. Covington rocked him on more than one occasion. And uh, George was on the record to say, like, bro, if Covington's rocking you, you know, imagine what I'm going to do, you know? But, uh, you know, but he doesn't have the wrestling like Covington... uh, but uh, I'm assuming Usman is going to be, if Usman is smart, you know, I know he did this camp with uh, Trevor Whitman just because, you know, the whole, you know, Burns thing uh, initially. But, uh, you know, if they're smart, I mean, they try to tie up George and, and implement that strategy and, uh, you know, try to lean on him and try to 
and play the the safe route because I truly believe I'm not I'm not saying Usman has bad stand up like but I'm just saying like I feel like Masvidal is in a headspace at least along the last couple of years where it's a violent headspace bro like he's out there trying to kill shit man like he his mental these last couple of years is kind of like you know how Poyes was a, a couple of years back the mental side of things just fucking took off for this guy the way he talks the the way he's uh, carrying himself and you know, I feel like Usman is a lot slower in the pocket exchanges. Not saying that Usman's a bad striker. I'm just saying that, you know, if he's coming out of here, and I do feel like Usman's a little bit emotionally invested. I'm not saying he's jealous of George, but I just noticed that, like, you know, George bothers him, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> like any mention of George Masvidal's name, you know, like, Covington bothers him, but, like, you know, Covington's an idiot, so it's like, <laughs> you know he'll uh he'll shoot him own, his own self in the foot but like he can't let the emotions you know play too much in this fight because that's how you get knocked out and the way masvidal has been fighting lately it's been you know complete dominance but uh you know obviously i lean usman just because he's got the full camp he's, he should be more prepared um but like you said poye said that george sparred with him for five weeks you know was in the gym so it's not those that typical you know off the couch, uh, coming into a title fight on short notice situation. Um, I, yeah, so my pick's going to be Usman um, by decision, most likely. I definitely don't think he's going to finish George. Um, it's just, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm fanboying out that George finally got his, his, his shot, but, you know, I just feel like Usman better be on the clinch in this fight, because I, I truly believe that if he stand, if he's has a game plan or not a game plan, but if he really thinks that he can, you know, go toe to bl- blow for blow with Jorge Masvidal, I would not be shocked if he was looking up at the lights uh, come Saturday night. But uh, if he plays this smart and just, you know, takes this the safe route and clinches him up and tries to just lean on him and, and you know, go to the, the go the decision route, I think he will have success. Um, but from a betting perspective, I, I, I just don't want to play that number against a guy like Masvidal. Especially right now. I mean, the way Jorge is looking right now, he's looking like he's on a mission, like he's focused, like he learned from all his past mistakes, and he's making up for lost time because a lot of those fights that he lost were close split decisions that could have gone his way if, if he didn't coast in that third round. You remember Jorge used to coast in all these fights. We'd give him a lot of shit like, dude, you came out so hard. Why don't you maintain that the entire time? And I think he kind of said to himself, he might have had an epiphany that, I'm not letting this shit hit the judges' scorecards ever again. And, you know, you see the way he's been killing these guys. Darren Till, Ben Askren, he ended Ben Askren's career. Nate Diaz teed off on him. So, you know, you guys know who these guys are and what they do. It's just that Usman's favorite for a reason. I mean, you know, the, the cardio, the pressure, the pace, all that stuff is wrestling. And I could see him, you know, he's got size on Masvidal. I could see him definitely, you know, wearing on Masvidal in the clinch, you know, humping his leg and doing the whole bit. It's just that with some of these guys like like Masvidal, like guys that are legends that have never touched gold before, like Bisbing was a legend before he touched gold. Masvidal is a legend here before he touches gold. Dustin Poirier was a legend before he touched gold. Like some of these guys, sometimes it's just their night when it comes time to that championship fight. So it's not going to surprise me one bit if a Jorge Masvidal comes out here and gets that, you know, that career accomplishment of wearing the UFC gold around his waist, man. Like, I could totally see him come out here and knock out Usman. It's just that 
you have to lean Usman because of the full camp, because of the size, because of the style, which, you know, if he tries to fight Jorge Masvidal, he's going to lose, but I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to play it smart, you know, make it a boring fight, clinch him up against the fence, take him down. And Jorge's got some underrated wrestling. I got to admit that, too. It's just that, like, you know, guys like Maya were able to backpack him and stall out the fight. I think Usman can do something similar. As a fan, I'll be rooting for Jorge, but... You know, just as a pure pick, I guess I'll, I'll lean with uh, Usman as well. Well, Shaq, uh, we did it. Uh, I'm running out of studio time, so we're going to skip the, the fight to watch and fighter to watch. Let's wrap this thing up, man. Thank you for joining me. The fans can follow Shaq at MMAGenius05 on Twitter at ShaqBFP on Instagram. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. It is Max Bet season for me this weekend in Abu Dhabi. Go to maxbetseason.com. Go to bestfightpicks.com to get our plays, to get my Max Bet. Uh, we will speak very soon. We got two cards next week, so you know we're going to have two shows next week. Uh, some very exciting fights on the card. Calvin Cater versus Ige. The return of Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I know you're excited about that, Shaq. So thank you guys all very much for the support. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.